Welcome to the Birth Lounge Podcast, an empowering space for expecting and new parents to hear candid conversations with experts, support your mental health, and learn the tips and tricks that thousands of parents have used to craft their ideal birth. We will answer all of your questions, the scary ones and the weird ones, to help calm your fears and feel confident going into your birth. I'm going to help you redefine what birth and motherhood looks like and how to embrace your journey. I've intentionally crafted an amazing list of experts to help you navigate pregnancy, explore your birth options, and plan for postpartum so it can be a time of soaking in your tiny human. We're going to go there on all the hard topics so that you can dive into finding your confidence and freeing yourself from fears around childbirth. With almost 10 years of experience in family education and a master's degree in human development and family studies, I created this podcast as a way to share information so parents can make educated and informed decisions about their care during pregnancy and childbirth. This is a birth community driven by evidence-based information and research in hopes to help you explore your options, understand your rights, and know what choices you have along the way. I'm your host, Hee Hee. Now let's get to the good stuff. Hey, y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Birth Launch Podcast. Today, I'm joined by my friend, Leslie Flannery, who is gestational diabetes nutrition on Instagram. So if you don't follow her, go ahead and check her out. And today, that's exactly what we're diving into, gestational diabetes and how do we fuel our bodies? How do we fight the stigma? What about the shame that comes with gestational diabetes? So, Leslie, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to dive into this with you. So I think that personally, someone who's never had a baby, never been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, I think there's so much misconception about gestational diabetes, how it works, what causes it, what do we do to fuel our body right, correctly during pregnancy when we have GD. So can we start out on a very like basic level? GD is hormonal. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. Talk to us about the hormones that are involved in gestational diabetes. Yeah. I mean, if we just break it down really simply, if you have a placenta, you could have gestational, you could end up with gestational diabetes. You know, not everyone with a placenta will end up with gestational diabetes, but it really can be broken down into that simple of a a statement because the hormones that come off of that placenta, um, cortisol, human lactogen, um, what else comes off of there? Forget. Uh, the, The placental hormones are causing your insulin to work slower, meaning your blood sugar stay elevated. It's harder for your insulin to do its job and remove your blood sugar. So you could just have higher, higher blood sugars. Um, there's, there are risk factors that go into it, but just as simple as having a placenta with no other risk factors, you could end up with gestational diabetes. Yeah. So along those same lines, I think there's a lot of thin people out there that get diagnosed with gestational diabetes and they're shocked and they're like, I did, did, didn't even think that I could have gestational diabetes. And because of their body shape and size, they don't ever really consider that they might have gestational diabetes. So it's, it's not based on body size at all. No, it's not. You know, there are things like your family history, genetics, um, you know, just your ethnicity is a risk factor. Again, we talked about the placenta being over 25 years old, <laughs> which I'm like, 
that's so young to me. But um, yeah, I mean, there are other risk factors, but you're right. When people have a lower BMI or a skinnier body, they're often um, taken off guard by the diagnosis because they're like, wait, wait a minute, what did I do? We just don't associate gestational diabetes with thin body types. And that's one of the biggest misconceptions out there. So I think it catches a lot of people off guard. Okay. So is a risk factor, um, having gestational diabetes in a previous pregnancy, does it make you more likely to have it in uh, subsequent pregnancies? Yes, exactly. Yeah. It's harder. If you had a hard time in one pregnancy, overcoming those hormones, chances are now you're a couple years older in a second or third or fourth pregnancy. Um, as we age, our insulin slows down anyway. And so a subsequent pregnancy with those pregnancy hormones and you're older, it's going to be really tough to overcome it. And what if you have type one or two diabetes before you get pregnant, is that going to impact gestational diabetes in pregnancy? So if you are type one or type two diabetic, then you are type one or type two diabetic in pregnancy. Gestational diabetes is actually just diabetes during pregnancy. So you don't have diabetes outside of pregnancy, only in pregnancy. So yeah, and it it can be um, more of a challenge for those women who have type one or type two coming into pregnancies because we know their, their insulin in type one is not working at all. And then in type two, we already know there's some insulin resistance going on. Sure. You know, along the same lines of like how it makes people feel and the misconceptions, there's so much shame around it. And I don't get it because, well, I guess maybe because it's connected typically um, incorrectly to body size, there's shame connected to it. But I wonder if we're going to see that shame continue once people start to understand that it actually isn't to do with your health and, and diet and all of that really at all. It's hormonal. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's my main mission is like to change the whole world (laughs) and the taboo and the stigma that comes with it. It's like, there's nothing to be ashamed of if you're diagnosed with type or with gestational diabetes, although many women do feel that way. And honestly, I think it has to do with miseducation, like just so many, um, so many people are miseducated on what causes gestational and even type two diabetes. So I think a lot of women, when they're diagnosed, think, oh my gosh, all I know of diabetes is type two. And it must be about, you know, people eating the wrong food and eating too much and being lazy. And so I think that carries over into this gestational diabetic um, stigma and label, which also we have to go to type two diabetes and say, people in thinner bodies get type two diabetes too. So it just all goes back to that baseline of like, we need more education surrounding this topic in general. Well, it makes you feel like you did something wrong, right? When you're misinformed on what causes it in the beginning, then Mm -hmm. you place that blame on yourself and you're like, oh my God, my baby's not even here and I'm a horrible parent. I I can't even do this right, Um, right? And it there's a really deep ingrained, almost embarrassment that comes along with it. Yeah. And I think as women, you know, we're carrying the baby. And so it feels like it feels very like a very deep connection of we've done something wrong and they're shouldering all of this. Um, I've recently had some of my clients tell me like, man, we wish we could have some type of resource for our spouse just to un- so they can understand what we're going through. I think there is a lot of shame and I think it is all 
put on the mom, you know, and it's just unfortunate. And what are we seeing in uh, like medical staff? Because there's a lot of bias towards people who have gestational diabetes too. This can sometimes be compounded with your medical staff making you feel as if you did something wrong or if, as if you, um, you know, you could have made different choices and maybe you wouldn't be in this boat. But in reality, it's hormonal. So yeah. crazy to me. Yes. And I think that's why if you are diagnosed with gestational diabetes, you should definitely seek out nutrition guidance along with your OB and your high risk OB. If they send you to like a maternal fetal medicine office, they are experts in what they're experts at. They are not experts in nutrition. And so we also have to think too, that doctors, nurses, front desk staff, everyone that a patient comes in contact with has their own kind of food noise and history with food and diet culture. And you, I worked in a maternal fetal medicine office and I have to tell you everyone there was doing some type of huge restriction diet. So I'm like, that can be very dangerous when we have the medical professionals not having a formal education in nutrition, telling women and shaming women about food when it's like, Whoa, 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 whoa. You are the last person in the world that should be educating someone on nutrition. Okay. So the keto diet comes up a lot for medical professionals when it comes to gestational diabetes. Talk to us about this. Is it right? Is it wrong? What is the keto diet for listeners who don't know? And like, how is that going to impact your body if you have gestational diabetes? Yeah. So the ketogenic diet actually was created for children with seizures. And now it is elaborated into this diet trend, right? So it, what the keto diet does is it takes your carbs pretty low to almost zero. Different people are on different amount of carbs per day, depending on who you talk to. Um, but essentially it's putting your body in ketosis where um, now your brain is functioning on um, stored protein and fat instead of glucose. But the problem with that well, there's a couple of problems with that. In pregnancy, let's just say you're growing a baby, you're growing a human, you need nutrients. And when you take away carbs, you're taking away calcium and fiber and riboflavin and like all of these important magnesium, zinc, these nutrients that you need to build a baby. So I think it's very dangerous from that standpoint. But also what happens too, is if you eliminate too many carbs, um, your body does something to try to keep you alive. Like, thank you body for doing this. It will dump extra blood sugar out. So a lot of the women that come to me, whether they've heard it from a healthcare provider or their sister or their friend or whoever have stopped eating carbs and they cannot get their blood sugars under control. And they can't figure that out because it's, it does seem counterintuitive, like eat more carb, keep blood sugars balanced. Um, but what's happening is a lot of times overnight, they're having these blood sugar dumps because they don't have enough glucose in their bloodstream for, for daily functions. So um, don't recommend keto. You definitely need carb, but, but there is, um, there are some guidelines to follow about how many carbs and how to spread them out and how you eat them. And does it depend on the severity of your gestational diabetes or no, it's, it's kind of based on individual factors of like, I don't know, family history, other risk factors, things like that. 
Yeah, I would say, you know, there's not right now, there's not any type of scale where we measure people on as far as this is, you know, really bad. I, there are varying levels. Some of the moms I work with, they can eat quite a bit of carb. They're not, you know, I mean, they have great numbers. They're pretty well controlled almost to the point they're like, do I have this? Um, Real. And then there's other women that struggle, like they do everything they should and they still struggle because our pregnancy hormones are different, you know, just as sitting here right now, I might have elevated cortisol and you might not. And our bodies are such like intricate machines that everyone is different. So I have a, a guideline for carbs, but within that frame, I understand like if I have a client who's very active, she might require more carbohydrates. If I have someone who's on bed rest, she might require less. So I, I take all of that into account. Sure. What other things should we be thinking about when we're eating and trying to fuel our body with gestational diabetes, like foods to pair together, foods to definitely include, foods to probably avoid, or maybe it is amounts to avoid and not specific foods? Yeah, my method is really um, about just learning how to portion and pair with other nutrients. I, I don't restrict moms on really anything. I mean, I will tell you that regular juice is going to elevate your blood sugar pretty quickly and cereal tends to be a big trigger. Okay. But other than that, I mean, I, if there, if someone wants a sweet treat, I'm going to figure out a way to help you get your sweet treat in because I love food and I am not here to tell anybody what they can and can't eat. I just want to help you find a good way to keep your blood sugar balanced so you can enjoy your pregnancy. Like that's important too. Our mental health is important too. Absolutely. Um, I think that food is a source of joy for so many people. And in pregnancy, that can really be disrupted from morning sickness to aversions, to gestational diabetes, to HG. There are so many things that can disrupt your food. And it is so surprising how many people can actually fall into like a mental health kind of deep yeah. pocket because their, their relationship with food is so disrupted through pregnancy. So yeah, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. And honestly, I would say the mental aspect of gestational diabetes is it can be a tough one because you just get tired of checking blood sugars all the time and thinking about food all the time and being told like, that's not good enough. Your numbers aren't good enough. You can't have this food. So, um, I try to come from a really positive place and a place of like, yeah, if you want a donut on a Saturday morning, let's figure out how to do that. You know, I'm not, not saying that we should be eating donuts all day, every day. <laughs> Although my boys would like that, but <laughs> I would love that. I love donuts. They're like my favorite food. <laughs> but I think that like pregnancy cravings are real. Let's be honest. And like you said, there's a social aspect to food. There's a cultural aspect to food. And I don't want to take that away from women, you know, like eating brown rice and chicken for nine months is not fun. Yeah. Well, I think it's pretty, um, well, I was going to say accepted. I don't know if people are accepting this. I think it's pretty well understood that restrictive diets don't work and they're not helpful and they're harmful for your body and your mental health um, in your relationship to food. It just, I'm not sure that restrictive diets have any positives. And you know, one thing that you said earlier, it has stuck with me. It like keeps playing in my head is you worked at a high risk place 
dealing with people with gestational diabetes and all of these healthcare providers had a very unhealthy relationship to food and they were in charge of people's health pertaining to food. This is crazy. This is like how we see healthcare professionals be one of the highest industries that smoke cigarettes and you know what it does to you. I, it just, this blows my mind. I, I think, oh, that just ripped like such a big curtain back for me where I was like, wow, I've never even considered what yeah. my healthcare professional's relationship to food might be when they're trying to tell me how to eat. Yeah. I mean, that's, that is why dietitians exist, you know, sure. and, 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 you know, I've worked in hospital settings before and, and physicians will refer like, Hey, this is out of my league. I don't know it. And they'll refer to you. And that's great. But, um, I've also had a client, this, this situation sticks out in my head where she was in the ER for something during pregnancy, um, you know, in her health or in her history, her chart, it said that she had gestational diabetes and the ER nurse. So it's not even her regular like nurse at her doctor's office told her you better be watching what you eat and you better not eat any carbs and did. And just, and like, she had no right to do that because she's one, not a dietitian. And two, she has no idea about your, your blood sugar numbers and what's going on. And it just, I could get on my soapbox. It drives me crazy. <laughs> Well, it was such dangerous information that is incredibly dangerous medical advice. And it came from a position of authority that most women, most pregnant people, most humans blindly follow their doctors and nurses, and you never even check into what they're saying. And this nurse just gave you incredibly dangerous medical advice. And it wasn't even for Lane. That's wild to me. Right. Yeah. It, It happens all the time. So that's why I know you know, on my platform, my social media, I'm always trying to help women advocate for themselves. And my clients definitely like advocate for themselves because at the end of the day, we all have different pregnancies. We all have different, you know, expectations of how our experience will go. And some of us are okay with starting medication for blood sugars and some moms aren't. And I'm like, I'm staying neutral here. You know, what I would do doesn't matter because this is your body. Just know that it is your body. You can say no to things. You can ask for more research. You can ask for more ultrasounds. And so I really just want women to know that, like, if you're questioning something, like question your providers, ask them why, you know, and just know that you can say no to certain medical interventions if you don't feel like it's right. And get a second opinion, right? If you don't like what your doctor's saying, or you don't believe them, or you don't think they're being transparent with you, or you don't think that they are uh, maybe giving you the full story, get a second outside opinion. So you're perfect for this, Leslie, not to say that you are equivalent to someone's OB or their um, high-risk doctor. That's not what I'm trying to say, but uh, a different perspective of someone who is educated in this field and qualified to give nutrition advice. So if people wanted to reach out to you, if they have just been diagnosed with gestational diabetes, if they're worried about it, if they have a history of it, if they have questions about their diagnosis, How can people find you? What services do you offer? Um, And then share a little bit about other resources that you have. You had mentioned like guides and stuff that you have. Yeah. So uh, you can find me on Instagram at gestational.diabetes.nutrition. And there I have tons and tons of posts that you can look through and sort through. And it's an awesome community, like just women, you know, it's a safe space. So that I'm really proud of. Um, 
be on the lookout. I am going to be posting a freebie there soon about fasting blood sugars. Yay. Um, <laughs> but what I, my, my program, um, I work with gestational diabetic moms to help them enjoy their pregnancy while they're enjoying food to grow a healthy baby. Ultimately, that's our goal. So in the program, you know, it's really hands-on. I'm, I'm in touch with my clients daily. I review their food logs and their blood sugar numbers to give them real-time feedback so they don't feel like they're just kind of left out there <laughs> on an island by themselves to figure it out. That's awesome. Oh my goodness. All right. Thank you so much for being here. You guys, gestational yeah. diabetes, it's scary. And a lot of people don't think that it's going to happen to them, but it may happen to you and it's okay. You and your baby are safe. This is a very normal variation of uh, pregnancy. It's something that you definitely want to pay attention to, uh, but there's a spectrum of gestational diabetes and a spectrum of resolutions that uh, you can explore with people like Leslie, with your provider. Um, you've got a lot of resources out there to help you navigate your pregnancy if gestational diabetes is part of your journey. All right, you guys, I will see you next week on another episode of the Birth Launch Podcast. Until then, take care. Bye, y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I truly do value this community and I love hanging out with you. If you found today's episode helpful, share it with a friend. Share it with someone who might also find this information helpful. I'd love to hear what you have to say and read your sweet words on iTunes. You can leave us a review and this helps get this information into the hands of parents who might also benefit from hearing it. If you're interested in joining The Birth Lounge, you can go to thebirthlounge.com. Our blog is linked there. You can find all sorts of free information as well as how to get your access to The Birth Lounge. You can always hang out with me on Instagram as well, at Tranquility by Hehe. Until then, stay educated, stay supported, stay confident. Hey there, just a friendly reminder that nothing in this podcast is to be used as medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult your healthcare provider with any questions or concerns you have about your health or anything discussed in this podcast. Side effects may include educated adults, informed decision-making skills, and consensual care. Tranquility by Hehe and the Birth Lounge are not responsible for any ideal births that were created with this podcast. The birth parent deserves all the credit.